Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be continuing our all 32 NFL team previews for the upcoming 2023 fantasy football season. We're going to take a look at what every team did in 2022 and what you can expect from all their guys in the 2023 season. For both redraft, dynasty, and best ball leagues, we're going to talk ranks, projections, and outlook for every team in the NFL. And we are continuing our stay in the NFC East, talking about the third place team in the NFC East last year, the New York Giants. Um, And we're going to be finishing up the week with the Washington Commanders sometime later this week. Now, if you are here watching the podcast on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and the like button. It shows me more support than you could ever know. It really helps me out a lot, helps the videos get noticed, helps grow our community here at Mike's Money Picks. If you're listening on the podcast form, please rate and review whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And lastly, we talk a little bit about best ball drafts on these shows. If you're interested in trying best ball on the most popular best ball platform on the planet, Underdog, you can use my promo code mconley 88 to get your first deposit matched up to $100. It's in the description of the YouTube video. It's also pinned to my Twitter page at Mike's Money Picks. And lastly, all of my rankings that you see on here and my full draft guide are available on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It's only $3 a month. You get access to the ranks, the draft guide, and all of my DFS picks weekly for golf. And, and when NFL season and college football roll around, those will be on there as well. It's much cheaper than other premium fantasy sites. Um, if you intend on buying a magazine or subscribing to any sort of service, I highly recommend you try me out first. You can edit the rankings. You can view the draft guide. You can edit it. Um, it's definitely very cost effective for that $3 a month charge. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the preview. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. So before we can talk about what we expect out of the Giants in 2023, let's talk about what they did as an offense in the 2022 season. So last year, the Giants ranked 17th in the league in total yards and 15th in the league in total points. They were kind of a league average offense when you look at all things considered. They were also one of the team's more run-heavy teams as they were eighth in the league in rush rate, which means you can always do the inverse for the pass rate. That means they were 25th in pass rate. So definitely one of the more run-heavy teams, and you can see why as they have Saquon Barkley in that backfield. Now, they were also a decent pace team in the league. They were 13th in the league in total plays. You know, they weren't like the Bears or another team like that where they just didn't get a lot of plays last year. Um, You know, 13th in the league for a run-heavy team, that's actually a pretty solid number. Um, Last year was also their first year with Brian Dable as the head coach. Brian Dable, if you were not aware, was previously the offensive coordinator in Buffalo that is the one largely responsible for Josh Allen's career turnaround that started in 2020. Um, And so this year is going to be year two Brian Dable. So I definitely expect this offense to at least sustain the production they had last season. I don't expect this offense to get any worse in year two of Brian Dable than they were last year in 2022. So let's start off by talking about the quarterback position. So Daniel Jones is the New York Giants current quarterback, and he had quite frankly the best year of his career in 2022 with Brian Dable as his head coach. Like makes sense. Like Brian Dable is responsible for Josh Allen's breakout. He's going to be responsible for Daniel Jones's breakout. Jones last year finished as QB nine overall and QB 10 in fantasy points per game, which was kind of a surprise finish from a lot of people in the fantasy community. Last year, I kind of touted that Jones was a really good late round sleeper that had a high ceiling. You know, he didn't necessarily hit the ceiling, but he definitely finished well ahead of where he was drafted last year. And what's most impressive is that he had this QB 10 in fantasy points per game finish. 
and it was without a massive passing volume. He was 14th overall in pass attempts and 20th overall in air yards. So it's not like he was chucking the ball over the yard. It's not like he was throwing the ball deep downfield. He was just kind of average to below average in terms of his volume, but was well above average in his fantasy finish. Well, how did that happen? Well, he has sneaky rushing ability. Like if you've ever watched him play, he doesn't look like an athlete but he can scoop. Like He's got some moves. Um, His rushing ability was a large reason that he finished in the top 10 quarterbacks. He was fourth among all quarterbacks in carries, fifth among all quarterbacks in yards, and third among all quarterbacks in touchdowns. If you take the rushing TDs away from Daniel Jones, he would have been around the QB 15 range as opposed to the QB 10 range. Now, it appears that the arrival of Brian Dable not only had an impact on Jones's production, but on his efficiency. You pretty much have to be efficient if you're not going to have a high volume of pass attempts and you want to finish as a top 10 quarterback. So in terms of his efficiency ratings last year, Jones set career highs in yards per attempt and completion percentage and ranked first in the league in true completion percentage, which is a stat where they throw out all thrown away balls. um, They throw out all intentional spikes. uh, They throw out all drops. and, And that is your true completion percentage, those passes and those attempts. And Jones ranked first in the league in that stat. He became a very efficient, very safe quarterback under Brian Dable. And and his fantasy production ended up turning around because of that increased efficiency. He was 1.2 fantasy points per game better than any other season that he had played yet in his career. Now, the bottom line for Daniel Jones heading into next season is the quarterback position in fantasy football right now is probably as crowded as it has ever been. Like, for real. Like, there's a lot of good options as a fantasy quarterback. I think there's 15 guys you could probably make an argument for to be drafted in the top 10. And, you know, there's there's 15 of them for 10 spots. And that, you know, Jones is kind of in that bottom tier group of those 15. So, my personal opinion, Jones represents a safe option with a high floor because you know he's going to be efficient with his attempts. You know he's got a great play caller for him. And he's got some upside because of his rushing ability. In in terms of these quarterbacks that are kind of in this little tier that he's in with Tua and Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, he's probably the safest option of that group, in my opinion. However, I don't think he has as much QB1 overall upside as some of those other guys because of his receiving core just not being that great and his offensive play calling and and there being a lot of run plays called. I just don't think he's going to have enough volume with enough talent around him to give you that true QB1 overall upside. However, I think his efficiency and his rushing ability definitely give him a high floor, and he represents a very safe option. I think you can draft him to be your starter if you choose um, to wait on quarterback for as long as possible. He is my QB 12 for this season. Uh, I actually like him a decent amount in best ball. We know that best ball is a lot about stacks, and if you were to draft Daniel Jones to be your starter in best ball, you can stack him up very easily, whether it's with his tight end, Darren Waller, more on him later, or anybody in his receiving core. The stacks are very easy to get for Daniel Jones. So if you do wait on a quarterback and you can't really find an option to stack, he's a guy that you can draft and then find the options for stacking later on. So I really do like Daniel Jones this season, and that's represented in that quarterback 12 ranking. Like I said, it's just a really crowded quarterback position this year. All right, so that does it for the quarterback spot. Let's go ahead and talk some running backs. So the running back position for the New York Giants is 
owned and operated solely by Saquon Barkley. Uh, he experienced a career renaissance in the 2022 season with this new Giants offense. He was running back five overall and in fantasy points per game, which was his best finish in a season since he finished as RB1 overall and RB3 in fantasy points per game way back in his rookie season back in 2018. 2022 was also his second best year receiving the football, where he totaled 76 targets and 57 receptions. That 76 targets number is significantly higher than his 2021, 2020, and 2019 seasons, and it ranked sixth among all running backs last year. He actually had over 90 targets his rookie year, so it kind of makes sense that Daniel, or I'm sorry, not Daniel, Saquon Barkley's best year since his rookie year came with his best receiving year since his rookie year. Now, what I really like about Saquon Barkley, I think he represents one of the true safe options in fantasy football right now. So I've kind of said on this podcast before, I don't like trying to predict injuries because I want to always draft with my guys in mind to be healthy because sometimes like if your first round pick gets hurt, you're screwed anyway. Nothing else you do really matters. So I like to plan on everybody being healthy. And when Saquon's healthy, he's been an elite option in fantasy football. He's never finished a season healthy and finished below running back seven. That's just an elite level floor at the running back position in fantasy football. Now, like I said, he is the sole proprietor of this Giants backfield. So when you talk about workhorses in the NFL, Saquon is at the top. If if not the top, he is near the top. Last year, he ranked second among all running backs in snap share, third among all running backs in opportunity share. And when you look at his total touches numbers, he was fourth in carries and he was fourth in weighted opportunities. Weighted opportunities has a formula that it applies that weights a target slightly more than a carry because with that target, if they catch the football, they instantly get a bonus fantasy point. So he was fourth among all running backs in weighted opportunities, which is a super important stat to use when determining a running back's workload. Now, all other Giants running backs, not named Saquon Barkley, didn't get a lot of run, right? So all other Giants running backs totaled one weekly top 30 finish before week 18. Why is that relevant? Week 18, Saquon Barkley sat out just because the Giants didn't really need him to clinch a playoff spot. So, so he sat out. And so um, before that week, one weekly top 30 finish for other Giants running backs. Now, I do think it's relevant to know that the team did draft Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. Um, with what we know about Eric Gray, he's a pretty good athlete. At Oklahoma, he wasn't like a super major workhorse. They had other backs that always split the touches with him, but he's a really good athlete. He does have a little bit of receiving ability out of the backfield. I don't see him being a guy, though, that's going to like come in on third down and, and like, you know, take some of Saquon's passing work. I don't see him being a guy that is going to be the designated red zone back or is like the change of pace back. I really don't see him eating into Saquon Barkley's workload very much, but if push comes to shove and he does end up being RB2 on the depth chart, he could be a very valuable handcuff because he can kind of do all the things Saquon does, just not as good. So the bottom line for the running back position with the New York Giants is Saquon Barkley is just an elite option. He has a clean bill of health right now. Injuries are not a concern at this point in 2023. And he's got an offensive system under Brian Dable that is devoted to utilizing him like they did last season. He is a top five fantasy running back and should be drafted in round one with confidence. In best ball drafts where wide receivers have a little bit of a premium on them, you can get him at the middle to the end of the second round. I really love in best ball having like a Cooper Cup Saquon Barkley start or like a Tyree Kill Saquon Barkley start. If you can get him near the 
the middle to end around two. That's a great pick in best ball right now. And I really do think he's going to continue being an elite option. Because Saquon is such a workhorse, all other Giants running backs are merely handcuffs in deeper leagues in terms of redraft. Um, I would not draft one with the intention of using them as any kind of fantasy starter unless Saquon Barkley get gets injured. And I do think in Dynasty, Eric Gray is certainly worth a flyer. If, you know, Saquon, heaven forbid, gets injured this season or next, he could be a guy that instantly steps into one of the best workloads in all of football. So I think he's definitely worth a draft and stash in dynasty leagues, but I definitely wouldn't be drafting him in any kind of redraft league right now unless I was really devoted to handcuffing Saquon Barkley. Um, so Saquon Barkley, at the end of the day, he comes in as my running back four, only behind Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and B. John Robinson. He is in that elite tier with those guys. I have no problem drafting him in round one in redraft and really like getting him in round two in best ball leagues right now. All right, that does it for the running back position. So let's go ahead and talk about some wide receivers. Now, for the wide receiver position for the Giants, their offense last year was devoted around Saquon Barkley, right? Everything revolved around Saquon. So the Giants did not finish the season with any top 50 fantasy wide receivers. I'll say that again. The Giants finished the season with zero top 50 fantasy wide receivers. In terms of targets, they didn't really have any one guy that really commanded a whole lot of targets over the course of the season. Darius Slayton led the wide receiver room with 71 total targets over the course of the year, and Richie James Jr., who was operating out of the slot, ended the season with 70 total targets. Now, in terms of the week-to-week you know, kind of fluctuations of the wide receiver position. Giants wide receivers totaled 15 weeks in the weekly top 25 wide receivers. So pretty much about, let me do some quick math here, about 85 to 90% of the time, they had one receiver that was worth starting on a weekly basis. And good luck figuring out which one that was last season. Of those 15 weeks, too, where they were in the top 25, only three of those 15 were top 10 weekly finishes, and none were weekly top five finishes. So you never saw a Giants receiver really just bust with a huge gain last season. It didn't really happen over the entire course of the season. Now, one thing I do want to mention, though, is looking at the profiles for all of these Giants wide receivers last year, their rotations in terms of who played and who got this amount of snaps and who was in on these packages and who got this amount of targets, it was all super inconsistent at the start of the season. Uh, however, they really settled in after the team's week 10 bye, and then Wandell Robinson got injured in week 11 and out for the season, and that really kind of stabilized it because Robinson was really playing in week 10 and week 11 as well. So from weeks 12 to 13, the Giants almost exclusively played three guys at the wide receiver position, and that was Richie James Jr. operating out of the slot, Darius Slayton, and Isaiah Hodgins. All three of those guys had over a 60% snap share in those games, so pretty much they were either running 11 personnel for almost the entire game, or they were running you know, a little bit of bigger packages that might have boxed one of those three out just a little bit, but all three of them were on the field at least 60% of the time in every game week 12 to week 18. Now, in that time frame, just those three guys, totaled six top 20 weekly finishes in that time frame. And in that time frame, both Richie James Jr. and Isaiah Hodgins ranked as top 25 fantasy wide receivers when you only look at those weeks 12 to 18. So basically, 
those three guys give you a little bit of something that you can kind of bank on, right? And we can kind of see what their roles were in that offense. So Darius Slayton was the guy that specialized in deep targets. However, he was a non-factor in the red zone, did not have a lot of red zone targets. He only had three all of last season, and he only scored two total touchdowns all last season. I definitely think he's a candidate for some touchdown regression if he can retain the same role that he had last year. Isaiah Hodgins was the guy that probably had the most amount of targets in that time span where all three of them were like firmly entrenched in the lineups. He totaled 38 targets in those last six games, and he had a breakout performance with 24.5 fantasy points against Minnesota in the wildcard round. He was a really good receiver at very niche skills. He was elite against man coverage. He actually had the highest route win rate in the NFL against man coverage last season. He was also elite at contested catches. So basically the bottom line is if a team was in man and they were just letting them play one-on-one, Isaiah Hodgins was winning his one-on-ones. He was winning that battle against the cornerback. And and it also means that he was kind of the bailout option for Daniel Jones. Like, oh, nobody's open? Hodgins doesn't need to be open. Let me throw it over there. And so Isaiah Hodgins' role actually is pretty darn valuable, and it really showed itself in that wild-card game against Minnesota. Now, Richie James Jr., we mentioned already, was the slot receiver last year. After Wando Robinson's injury in Week 11, he was like the only one playing in the slot. Now, Richie James... He's now in Kansas City, so I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but Wondell Robinson and Sterling Shepard, who also got injured for the season last year, um, are two guys that are probably going to contend for that slot role, and they may or may not be healthy for week one. I would tend to believe it's going to be Robinson, given that this coaching staff drafted him, and they seem content to use him a lot when he was healthy last season. Now, what muddies the waters a little bit more is the fact that the Giants went out and added wide receivers. They lost Richie James but they added three in his place. They drafted Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. They signed Paris Campbell and Jamison Crowder in free agency. So let's talk about what we know about those three guys. Jamison Crowder is kind of a journeyman, operates out of the slot, can be good if given enough volume, but I don't think that he's going to see that volume in New York, even if he ends up beating out everybody for that starting slot role, which I don't think is going to be the case. Paris Campbell is a deep threat receiver with a lot of speed who has not really shown the best route running skills or the best hands in his time in the league. Jaywin Hyatt out of Tennessee, high upside player, operated in one of the best offenses in all college football last year, specialized in the wheel route out of the slot. If you go back and look at J1 Hyatt's tape, most of his big plays came from the slot position, and he got a wheel route going down the sideline that Hendon Hooker was really good at throwing, and somehow all the defensive backs, including the ones at Alabama, just didn't know how to cover it, uh, and so he ended up wide open or just outrunning the guy for touchdowns. Um, if J1 Hyatt can really expand his route tree, I think he can be a really good NFL wide receiver, but what he did at Tennessee last year was it was very simple. It was very few routes, and he was very good at what he did, and he's very fast, but he's going to need to expand his game a little bit if he wants to be a productive NFL wide receiver. So here's the bottom line for the Giants receivers. This wide receiver situation is a mess that we need a lot of clarity on before drafting any of them in redraft leagues. In terms of the roles for last season, Richie James out of the slot, Darius Slayton is the deep guy. Isaiah Hodgins as the contested catch guy. Hodgins is by far the most likely one to repeat his role from last season. He's the one that I would probably bank the most on out of any of these Giants wide receivers because I think what he does is so unique. Now, in terms of everybody else competing for snaps, competing for targets, I really just don't like 
the situation right now because we don't know what the snap shares are going to look like with all these guys in this wide receiver room. We don't know what the target shares are going to look like. And, and the passing volume isn't that high anyway. It's not like the Kansas City Chiefs where we don't know who's going to get the targets in Kansas City, but we know they got Mahomes throwing to them and we know they're going to be throwing a lot. That's not the case here in New York. And so the passing volume, just the sheer volume of it and the consistency of the target shares needs to be ironed out before we can bank on any of these wide receivers finishing in the top 50 wide receivers. Hodgins, Hyatt, and Slayton are probably my three favorites. They're all in the wide receiver 60 to 70 range for me in that order, Hodgins, Hyatt, Slayton. And like I said, if you're playing best ball, and you get Daniel Jones, a lot of these guys are available to stack with Daniel Jones and they're essentially free at the end of drafts. I really like Isaiah Hodgins for that. I really like Jalen Hyatt for that. And, and if you're feeling really funky, you can even go with Paris Campbell or Wandale Robinson or Darius Slayton for that. Um, but basically, if you get Daniel Jones, try to get a few of these guys in a best ball league and you can really get yourself a good stack. And, and if this offense ends up being a more wide receiver driven offense, then you can find yourself with some spike weeks from some of those guys. All right, that does it for the wide receiver position. So let's go ahead and talk just a brief minute about tight ends. So for the tight end position, Daniel Bellinger was the Giants' primary tight end last year, and he finished his tight end 34 overall and tight end 25 in points per game in 2022. It's not great. He also missed five games. That's why there's a discrepancy between those numbers. Now, Lawrence Cager filled in when Bellinger was injured, and he had three top 25 weekly finishes in games where Bellinger was injured. It's not bad. So overall, the Giants targeted the tight end position in total 65 times last season. It's less than they targeted Saquon Barkley. However, it's about even with what they targeted their wide receiver three, Richie James. Or no, I'm sorry, not Richie James. Um, Isaiah Hodgins over the course of last season. Now, what is noteworthy for the Giants is that they acquired former Raiders tight end Darren Waller in the offseason. Darren Waller is not that far removed from being a super fancy relevant tight end. Last year, he was a little bit banged up. He only played nine games, but he was still tight end 10 in terms of fantasy points per game last season. And in those nine games, he only had 43 targets. He was not getting a massive amount of volume, but he's so good, so athletic, so much of a mismatch that he turns in that little volume into a lot of production. Now, what's kind of worrisome though is that he was targeted at a higher rate last year in Vegas than all the Giants tight ends combined bind were last year in 2022. And if you look back at Darren Waller's history in 2019, he was a top five fantasy tight end. He needed 117 targets to get there. I don't know if there is 117 targets in this offense for him, but last year, you know, with him getting a shade over four targets a game, you know, in between four and five targets a game to still finish his tight end 10. That's not bad. I definitely think he can replicate that four to five targets a game will be somewhere between 68 and 85 targets in terms of the whole season. I definitely think that that can be something that Darren Waller can get. I definitely think that Darren Waller is going to finish as a top 10 tight end. The bottom line is that even with everything going on with this Giants passing game, Darren Waller still has the upside to be a top 10 fantasy tight end. Even with the Giants and the offense not having a lot of passing volume, even with them not targeting the tight ends last year, I trust Brian Dable to scheme up ways to get Darren Waller the football. And with the lack of consistency in that Giants wide receiver room, I kind of think that he could be a guy that could really turn into a go-to guy for Daniel Jones. And, and I think that 
Jones and Waller are going to be pretty correlated this season. If Daniel Jones has a really good season, I think Darren Waller is going to have a really good season as well. Now, for the tight end position right now, it's an interesting landscape. I think there's a very clear one, two, and three in that order. But after that, it's really up for grabs. I think it goes Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson is your one, two, three. And then a whole lot of question marks, a whole lot of guys who have upside and downsides to them. So Darren Waller, to me, has just as good a chance to finish his tight end four as anyone not ranked in the top three. I think you can poke holes in the resumes of all the other tight ends that he's vying for that spot with. And I think that when you look at him going to a good offensive mind in a situation where he can come in and earn targets with the receiver room, not kind of earning a whole lot of them on their own. I really think this is a good situation for Darren Waller if he can stay healthy. And like I said, I always project my guys to be healthy. And so Darren Waller is my tight end four heading in the next season. I have him ahead of Kittle. I have him ahead of Pitts. I have him ahead of Goddard. I think that he really does give upside because I don't think he needs a whole lot of targets to create production. And and I really do think there are holes that we can pick in the resumes of all the other guys that he's competing for that ranking with. So Darren Waller is my tight end four heading in the next season. I think he's significantly underpriced in best ball drafts right now. It's really easy to get Darren Waller as the fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh tight end off the board and, and then to stack him with Daniel Jones. I really think that's a good idea in best ball drafts. All right, so that does it for the New York Giants 2023 season preview for fantasy football. Hopefully gave you guys a lot of information. You'll know where to draft and how to draft your Giants guys, whether you're playing redraft, dynasty, or best ball leagues. Um, hopefully you guys learned something. Hopefully you guys got some information that you can use. Um, for this upcoming fantasy football season. We're going to be finishing up our tour of the NFC East with the Washington Commanders next. So if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when new episodes drop and you will get a notification when that episodes drop. Uh, And then we're also going to have some golf episodes next week as well. We're also going to be coming back to talk best ball draft specifically. So if you play best ball, make sure you're subscribed. You will get notification when that drops. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. It really does help me out a lot. Uh, If you like what you watched today, please hit the like helps me out. I really do appreciate it. It shows me a lot of support. All right. So that does it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Hopefully I was able to help you out a bit. I will see you next time.